Join me on my journey as I explore wealth in all areas of life. I'm your host, Mindy Kinnis, and this is The Lucrative Society. Welcome back, dear listener. Today on the show, I have an amazing person, a very dear friend of mine, and just total rock star, Melinda Kale. Welcome to the show. Uh-huh, Mindy, so, so good to be here. Thanks for having me. I am delighted to have you. It's been a long time <laughs> coming. I've been looking forward to this for quite some time. I want to begin by telling the audience a little bit about you and then you can fill in the blanks. So here's some of the things that I know. You are such a fantastic marketing agency owner. You also are a world traveler and (laughs) you have been both a friend and a client for me. You have come through my programs and not only have you come through my programs, but you have coached on my behalf and my client adored you. So I am just, (laughs) I just every, there's just a lot of love when I I think about you or people talk about you. It's always with such good, good vibes. So I want you to kind of fill in the blanks and talk a little bit about what you're up to and how you got into this current position that you're in. Wow. Wow. That was quite an intro. So thank you. (laughs) And I equally have um, so many good vibes from you. I mean, when we first met, we just instantly connected. And I will always remember driving from Santa Barbara to LA and we got to talk that whole way. And I was just like, this girl, she's my people. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) That was such uh, a fun trip. (laughs) It was awesome. Yeah. And you've been such a great influence in my life and hope we can talk to that as well. But the position I'm in at the moment would be, yes, marketing agency owner, which has changed somewhat in the last uh, 12 months where grown and uh, taken um, some amazing business partners into the, uh, into the mix who are making my life just joyful and easier. And um, I think things are changing a lot now that um, I think I have to do a bit of letting go for that, for that to happen. And it's been really magical since then that it needed that to become what's next for Huddle. So Huddle Up is the agency. We're a um, full service agency. So this is another great thing about having uh, business partners is they bring in new skill sets and we are able to now offer the entire sort of end-to-end life cycle of marketing. We do beautiful branding projects now, do websites, marketing automation funnels, we do the traffic side as well, like Facebook ads, because somebody has to find that funnel. So we do need to, um, you know, access new audiences on Facebook and things like that. So we, what having our business partners has allowed me to do as well is step into my zone of genius. Because before they were around, I would just do everything. <laughs> and um, it's easy for me to do everything because I'm pretty, I'm not a master at any of it, but I'm good enough at all of it that I can jump in and I'll do that, I'll do that, I'll do that and constantly putting my hand up to do everything and uh, that would just drive me into the ground and I don't know how many times I have burnt myself out doing that and about, it's actually about eight months ago that I burnt myself out once again and I had two client launches in one week and they were both as equally as urgent as each other. Don't ask me how they managed to get scheduled in the same week. 
Um, and I just worked insane hours and I got to the end of that week and I was a broken woman and I just went, that's it. I'm closing huddle. I'm done. I'm just done. Really? Yeah. I was just, well, if I can't change it in all this time and I've been doing it, huddle's been alive for now for about six or seven years and in six and seven years, I'm still burning myself out. Then I'm the problem. Like, this thing is not going to change (laughs) because it's me. I just keep allowing this to happen. And I just got to the point, well, you have to close it. Like you can't, if you can't change this, you need to do something different. And I had amazing offers coming at me from clients going, Hey, come work for me. That'd be amazing. And, and lots of very, um, what would have been lucrative and fun and great projects and, amazing people and there was plenty of enticing offers around and it just felt that if I did that there was part of me going you're giving up like that's not cool (laughs) and if you're going to close huddle you're going to do it in a really powerful way you're going to do it on your terms not because you've burnt yourself out so I had to think about what I could do and the answer was staring me in the face because I had two incredible humans working for me that were that just had all the right ingredients they uh, have the right skills they have the right vibe they are kind they are driven they're motivated and I just said guys um, do you want to be business partners and they both said absolutely and since then it has changed a lot and it's been able to turn into something that it probably should have a long time ago and it's with everyone working now in their what I would call their zones of genius you know Jamie is incredible at branding and and Ben is incredible at website projects and and has really dived into all the marketing automation and because he's a very techie guy he's just picked it up like super fast And that has allowed me to do what I love doing, which is all the strategy side. And there's nothing I like better than sitting with a client in a boardroom all day and hashing out an offer or the best way to market it or the, you know, the branding vision and mission and values and what this thing's going to be and how it's going to give back to the world. And there's nothing I like better than doing that. Like I finish a workshop and I'm like energized. I'm like, awesome. And the client is exhausted. <laughs> like, oh my God, this has been so hard. And I'm like, oh my God, this has been so fun. But that is because we, you know, that, there's something that I do that, that's easy for me. And life is just, life is just easy. <laughs> life is a lot more easy um, when, you're, when you're working in the thing that you love doing. It's, it's easy. Absolutely. That is so awesome. I didn't realize that those two were your business partners because I worked with Jamie years ago. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's so exciting. I love to hear that. So tell me this, mm-hmm. you weren't always an entrepreneur. You came from a corporate background and you just used two words that I want to kind of dig in. <laughs> the two words that you said were letting go. Mm-hmm. Letting go. And I want to talk a little bit about that shift from corporate to entrepreneur, because what I know mm-hmm. in training and teaching and coaching a lot of people who are wanting to make that leap, that's a really, really big sticking point of having that safety net of a corporation, but the desire 
of entrepreneurship. Can you talk a little bit about what your experience was like? I'd love to tell you that I just made this great proactive choice and really smooth transition. And <laughs> yeah, it doesn't, doesn't usually happen that way. <laughs> it definitely did not happen for me that way. Um, my corporate career was, I was working insane hours. It's been a habit of mine for <laughs> my whole life. I think at the time I was working, you know, regular 60, 70, 80 hour weeks constantly and this never ending pile of things to do and this insane amount of stress. Actually at the time and within that stress, um, I would seek out different things and I started going to yoga a lot more just to try and have this downtime. Lara Dwyer, who introduced me to meditation at the time, she would do this beautiful meditations at the end of yoga and I would sit there and this you know, these ideas that I hadn't thought of, been able to think of all week and this clarity that I had not even remotely entered my vortex all week would pop into my head and I would realise that I was just on this this treadmill of like, this is not even remotely making me happy. And, you know, I, I, was, I was sort of within the folds of the, the general manager and the managing director really were nurturing my career and really saw great things for me. And they saw me running the company one day. And that really, I think it was, you know, the validation I'd always wanted that I was, you know, um, <laughs> worthy or something like that. I don't know what was going on there. But so, and I felt very indebted to them because they really had taken me under their wing and promoted me and, and saw so much potential in me. So when I was breaking up with corporate I felt like I was also breaking up with them and they were really important people to me and it was it that was really hard but I didn't do it in a nice staggered fashion I actually waited until I completely burnt myself out and I was it was a I just had no choice I had to just I had to step off and I had no safety net at all I just had to I had to stop I knew I had to stop doing that (laughs) and I um, had no safety net whatsoever and so it worked out fine. That client, um, oh, sorry, that, that workplace ended up one of my first marketing clients. So they immediately switched from uh, employer to client. And so I ended up having a bit of a safety net that I didn't know was there when I took the leap. But yeah, it was one of the best thing I, things I've ever done. Um, I don't think if I hadn't got into meditation at the time, I don't think I'd probably still be doing that. In fact, I was about to do a qualification uh, post-grad qualification in oil and gas and because I was working in the oil and gas services industry at the time and oil and gas couldn't be further away and from my values like that is not where I want to be that is not somewhere that I felt (laughs) looking back that is just absolutely not who I am but I was about to go and do a qualification (laughs) to make sure I was really there so that that came to me as well I remember at the time through one of the sessions with Lara and I was like my god why am I doing an oil and gas degree that doesn't make any sense I don't like oil and gas what am I doing (laughs) (laughs) that that reminds me of me working in the pharmaceutical industry like it doesn't make any sense but I did that for almost a decade (laughs) it was crazy (laughs) Uh (laughs) uh-huh it's so interesting it's because you're doing what everyone ever always told you to do as well. Oh, I, I don't know about you. My, this is my personal perspective. They told you to get the degree. They told you to go and get the job. They told you to climb the corporate ladder. They told you to get the white picket fence. They told you to do all these things. And you realize in 
the end of all that, hang on a minute, this is horrible. I can't believe that I checked every box that you told me I needed to check. And here I am, just, this is horrible. Yeah, I really, that was something. And I've been allergic to corporate for a long, long time <laughs> <laughs> since then. But actually I've realised recently it's not, it's not the evil beats that I'd made it out in my mind or, you know, I needed a long break from it. But um, I'm certainly back working with a number of corporate clients. They're incredible. And I do things very differently to how I ever, ever did at the time. So um, I'm really, it's interesting to be back there a little bit and, um, and enjoying it. <laughs> That's awesome to hear. And I want to get into something with you because years ago, we talked about something and we were just reminiscing about it prior to starting record, this idea mm. of shitty clients. I would love <laughs> for you to talk about getting rid of shitty clients because you mm. did it and it was awesome to watch. But I think people out there who are listening may be in a similar circumstance where they're feeling that scarcity of, but I need to keep these clients even though they're terrible. Mm. I probably would still be doing that if I hadn't <laughs> coached with you, Mindy. I remember, you know, and I don't think you, you, you certainly gave me all the information to make good decisions, which I probably ignored part of that <laughs> and I, <laughs> at the time. And I needed to digest and have some soak time with it. And I remember waking up for one of our coaching sessions and it was very early for, for me, but I woke up with no sleep. Like I'd had maybe two hours. Um, and insomnia was a really big problem for me at the time. And I got on the call to you and I said, Mindy, I think it's time to get rid of this client. And you just laughed and went, what do you think? <laughs> and you'd been trying to get this message to me. And I had been stuck in, I think, a bit of a scarcity mindset around it where you know, at that time, it was fairly close after divorce. I'd lost a lot of money as well. And I was definitely thrown into this scarcity mindset where I was holding on to things to make sure that they, there was some sort of stability in my life and like the, the financial income was there and, and I was holding on to these things. And, and this particular client was very controlling and was really making life very difficult. And, and it was it was awful and I really needed to get, I guess I, it's a bit of a thing for me that I need to really get myself in enough pain that I would just be going, okay, wow, I, I have to make a change. Uh, if I hadn't had your guidance at the time, I guarantee it would have taken quite a lot longer before I got to the point that I was just like, okay, I'm ready. And letting go of that client, which was a huge client for us, it took up it was well over 60% of our revenue at the time. And I had to lovingly let that relationship go. It's like a vortex. It, it just fills, that gap gets filled again. But what it gets filled with is something better. And it's been a continual lesson in my life that when I let go of, when I let go, my lesson in life is definitely to let go. Um, when I let go, something better fills that space. And having the courage to be able to say, you know, I, I can lovingly let that go out of my life and there is something better, it always gets filled with something better. I had the same problem around income at one point because I had lost everything, and not everything, but close to it. 
and I had, I was really worried about clients paying and clients paying on time and I needed that income, I needed that cash flow. I had mouths to feed, I had staff. And I remember being so stressed about it. And one day I just went, you know what? I, I just got to stop stressing about this. It just is what it is. And stressing about it is not making it any better. And the minute I've decided to do that, I've never, I've never had someone not pay. In fact, I've actually changed a lot of my terms and conditions so they pay in advance. So I definitely don't have to worry about it. But it was something that it, it, it never made a difference to stress about it. And as soon as I let go and as soon as I just trusted that the universe would deliver what I need, it delivered. It, and it's delivered ever since. It's delivered every time. It's delivered more than I need. So, yeah, letting go um, and moving past that scarcity mindset has been a huge, huge lesson. Well, I will tell you this, you're not alone because most people wait until they are in so much pain to do anything different, to make any change, especially a big change like that. I mean, that's, that is so, so common. We tend to have a very thick skull around like, oh, (laughs) this could be so much easier if I just relaxed about it, but we tend not to do that. So you're, you're not alone by any means. So let me ask you this, and, and you know this question because you've heard this show before, but I ask all of my guests, and I'm really, really curious from your perspective, having gone through everything that you went through, as you mentioned, losing you know a, a lot of your mm-hmm. income and, and all of that, how do you define wealth? What is wealth mean to you what does that word mean to you it's funny I mean I a I, I grew up in a family that my granddad was you know obviously post depression in Australia where it was all about scarcity I mean they didn't he grew up as a young boy in a time where there was no food and you know the, the family really fought to put that food on the table and he he was an interesting man that he became very, very wealthy as a farmer. He, and I remember just before he died and he was maybe six months before he died and he went, we went up to his farm and he had string tying up his pants. Really? <laughs> this is a man that died a multi, <laughs> he died a multimillionaire and he had string tying up his pants. And my mum has inherited that as well. Like, she's not extremely wealthy she's she's middle class but but very comfortable she will get a kettle and she will steam off the stamp off an envelope because she can reuse that stamp and save one dollar but at the time it was like 45 cents i remember her doing it and this is a woman that could afford all the stamps in the world and it's amazing maybe that ingrained in me a little that's maybe that scarcity mindset maybe has been around for a long time in my life but I know what it feels like to be worried about money as well given my you know five years ago where I was thrown into that um, in a big way and it's it's not fun to not know whether you have enough money it's no it it sucks (laughs) it's stressful it's um, it consumes you and when you're in that state you can't think creatively struggle to think creatively you've got adrenaline rushing through your system you can't make good decisions so now that things are comfortable and things are going well it's I have space I have space to be creative I have space to spend money on my business and grow it in you know whether that needs some marketing dollars spent or 
whether we need a new person to come on board or whether you know we need to do some more training and skill up and that costs money we we can those are all options that are available and when you don't have that it's tough it's really tough so i think money is really important and i don't i don't feel like i need a lot of it i've got examples of a lot around me i have some friends that are really well off and one friend who's planning a million dollar wedding in europe whenever Europe travels allowed again and that's an enormous amount of money to spend on a wedding you know so there's examples of that around me and I and yet that doesn't seem to be the thing that makes people happy in my mind you need to have enough you need to feel comfortable so you can be creative and you can be have fun and you can be joyful and because it's not joyful when you have nothing (laughs) but I don't necessarily see that having millions makes that person any happier I haven't seen that that's true and it tends to be the quality of the um, the work that you do the impact that you're making the people that you're surrounded with the quality of your lifestyle that and lifestyle being you know as simple for me as walking the dogs every morning out in the bushland is, is joyful experience for me and so all those things are uh, uh, I believe what makes people happy but when when there's a severe lack that that affects all those things (laughs) so it absolutely does you know I I love that you're bringing in the the happiness factor because really that was the intention of this show when it started was looking at how wealth or money and happiness intersect and and where is that point of intersection in our lives and to your point I was just reading something recently where it was something like over $85,000. Now this is in the United States. So I'm not mm. sure what it would be, what, what it would translate to, but in the U S it was over $85,000. There really wasn't a distinctive difference in happiness or joy mm. above that limit. So like if you were at 80 or if you were at 200, it was like, there's not that much difference or a million or whatever, you know, put any mm. number above that 80 ish thousand, which really speaks volumes to what we should be focusing on. And yeah, a similar figure in Australia, I think it's 70,000 here. I guess for what, where I want, I see myself going um, in the future, it's going, money's a fantastic thing to allow you to do more as well. I mean, uh, I met a woman recently who spends 70% of her time on philanthropic endeavors because her business is so successful that she can it, it I love that fine. it looks after itself yeah and so it gives you options it gives you so many options so for me it is important wealth is important I definitely have a lot of goals now around being able to do that being able to spend more time doing things that really matter things that have an impact things that if you know on my deathbed that I can say I came here and I made some kind of difference. I didn't come here and just sit on a a treadmill and pay the bills. That doesn't feel like the point of um, existence for me. So um, I I think it is important. I just, it it isn't the portal to happiness. There's so many things that, that make us happy. Agreed. And to your point, if there wasn't money or if none of us had any money, 
you and I would have never met because it takes money to travel. You were in the US, that's where we met. You know, if Uh we ever want to hang out again when the world opens up again, that will take money to travel. And so to Uh your point, yes, it's (laughs) such a good, good thing, but it's not the only thing. So I totally appreciate that. So Mm -hmm. I want to get into the the herb with you. I always say it Mm -hmm. properly for the Australians, herb. So (laughs) H, as you know, stands for habits. You are a very active and what I think of as a, a busy person. I mean, I think you work way harder than I do. <laughs> I'm pretty, actually, I'm sure of that. I have no doubt about that. So what are the habits either on a daily, weekly, monthly basis that allow you to be as productive as you are? Um, I think that I've learned what not to do. Burn, burning myself out was definitely what not to do. It didn't matter that you spent 70 hours working that week because the next two weeks you were completely ineffective. Right. <laughs> you were tired, <laughs> exhausted. And so, I mean, at one point in my corporate career, I gave myself tennis elbow. I couldn't even pick up a pen and I couldn't type. So that definitely affected things for the next month. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. You can't just, <laughs> you can't just drop that story and not explain like what happened. Uh, no, I just worked too long. I spent too much time at my computer and I gave myself tennis elbow and okay. it's, I don't know if you've ever had it before, but you can't pick up a pen. You can't pick up a glass. You are, you are completely immobile in the arm. And so that was, if you, those kind of lessons, like it just gets you nowhere to work at that pace. Nowhere. In the long run, you have, whatever goes up must come down. And it, it really got me nowhere. So I guess what I've learned has been from a lot of trial and error. And now I like, discipline i like to get up at six o'clock in the morning i like to walk the dogs every single morning before i go to work i like to eat breakfast with my partner i like to go to work and work and when i leave work i prefer not to do any work at night not that that always happens but it's pretty important to me to leave work at work now and have this delineation and this line and it's i believe more effective in the long run like if you spend five days doing your work and you don't have to do that on the weekends and nights and things like that. I'm a little bit, I'm not always hundred percent on that, but I'm pretty, pretty good. Sleep for me is hugely important. I'm an ex insomnia. I need to sleep. <laughs> I need to prioritize sleep. And that's my first, that's my canary in the coal mine. Do you have that saying in a, um, yes. yeah. Canary in the coal mine for me is Melinda's not sleeping. Well, that means something's out of balance in my life. So it's the very first thing to start coming unstuck for me because it has been such a hard thing for me in the past. So if I'm sleeping well, all is well. (laughs) It's good. It's got to be prioritized. And the other thing I've just learned to do as well is have more fun. Like I'm so serious for so long. (laughs) And um, yeah, just having fun, you know, day to day, having fun at work, having fun with my partner, scheduling more downtime, scheduling time away, having staycations because we can't travel anywhere at the moment due to, due to the Rona. <laughs> so we, yeah, just, just scheduling fun, important. That is awesome. So moving on to the E, the E stands mm-hmm. for environment. How mm-hmm. do you set up your space so that you feel at your best? 
So I guess it loops back to the word I was saying earlier about the corporate. Um, and for a long time, I was a little allergic to corporate. And I could not imagine getting out of my active wear and my home office for so long. I mean, I, I could work in my home office with anyone anywhere in the world. And I thought, well, there's no reason to ever go back to an office. But just recently, we've gone back to an office. And it means that, yeah, it means that Jamie and Ben and I are together every day. And we found this cool office. It's um, part of a uh, wider sort of co-working space. And they have ping pong table, pool table. They have beer on tap. They have <laughs> it's a cool space. We get a lot done. We're together. We get to brainstorm together. We get to, you know, ask lots of questions of each other. And, and I feel like that it's a really productive awesome space and we spend we really enjoy spending time with each other as well so I've come full circle on that I thought I was going to happily work from home forever but I guess now I've, I've seen that that is a much more productive environment for me and I get to also do my work at work and I get to come home and be at home um, there is something to that better. physical distance or physical separation of like this is work this is home but to you know I do like the loungewear, yoga pants, whatever, you know, just the, the <laughs> casualness of being at home. That being said, there is something very special and magic when you're in person, real time, real life. That's why I can't wait to do events again, because yeah. like you're really in, in somebody's space. It's, it's just a whole different thing. So let's jump to the R because mm -hmm. this is my favorite one. I love talking about resources. Resources yeah. can be books, programs, mentors, whatever. Which resources have been powerful in your life and that you would recommend to others? Well, definitely getting out of my own way, which was a problem for me for a while. I did landmark a, a few years ago, which was something I never wanted to do because I thought they were just very culty. They had a bit of a culty vibe. <laughs> I still think they have a bit of a culty vibe. However, yeah, they do. <laughs> <laughs> they do. It was pretty powerful stuff. They, it, it's some kind of half torture, half mind control situation. And they put you in a room for three days and they don't let you leave except to sleep for not very long. And then you're, you're there immersed in it and you're hungry, you're tired. You've been sitting on a seat for far too long. But they really help you understand that you're dragging your past into your future. And you're carrying this thing around and you have an opportunity in that weekend to leave it behind. And my partner um, did it when he, he had a business that failed and it was, he was after that business, he created a new business. It was doing okay. He spent most of his week surfing, a little bit of work, and he really couldn't dive back into his business properly because the previous one had been so painful. So he had done that and he really had actually left it behind at Landmark and after that his business really flourished and he's now got a dozen employees and it's doing very well and he loves it but prior to Landmark he wasn't able to sort of move forward with that so I tried that it definitely helped me as well just to sort of um, put the past in the past into into what they call get on the court um, with life so I am grateful that I did that definitely have a bit of a culty vibe and didn't, wouldn't want to continue but I was glad I did that to their course. Another thing as well is actually a book that you recommended to me, Mindy, which was Power Versus Force. Mm. Um, and 
amazing book really helped me understand these layers of consciousness in life and how how to relate to people at the various layers of consciousness how how we can elevate our layers of consciousness as well how we can continually pursue this new level of consciousness and I really I, I got a lot out of that that book and I and I'm so I've got a bit of a love for anything that expands my mind um yes. I've been reading recently Buddha and the Badass by Vision um is it Lakiani? I'm not sure how to say it Lakiani. great book great great title great book Mindset by Carol Dweck I think you recommended that as all well, as well to me when we did when I did core actually um, you recommended that book and you me- recommended another book at the time that was very important for Huddle, which is called Built to Sell by John Warlow. Oh, I love and that book. Fantastic. And it was like, it was what I needed very much at the time because I was just never going to be able to grow Huddle and have it in. It's called Built to Sell because you should be building a business that's saleable. You should be building a business that anyone can run, whether you're running it or not. And that's been a real lesson for me and something that I've been crafting over the years. And the coaching program that I did with you with CORE was instrumental in helping me go down a path of strategy as well, where I really realized, actually, I do have a gift in helping people see insights and to see their blind spots. And so now I actually use that in my marketing business around strategy workshops. So it developed in me the confidence the confidence to actually facilitate these sessions. The, the core program actually gave me time to actually coach people. Um, that was part of the program. And it was in that coaching, I would get people sort of say, wow, I can't believe that, you know, I've got, now got this insight and, and I now can move past this block that I've had. And I was like, wow, I did that. Wow. <laughs> and, it, you know, it was really incredible because it was not about me having any answers of me being clever at all. It was about asking the right questions. And that's exactly an approach I take in my strategy workshops. The clients come to me and they don't know what to do, but they do. They do somewhere. They just haven't, they don't have the clarity and they haven't been asked the right questions. And I ask them so many questions over the course of whether it's a three hours or whether it's a full day workshop, could be longer. And it's guiding them through a series of series and series of questions that they actually evolve the answers themselves. They know their market usually quite well. They know their ideal client and they just need to have some facilitation to understand that person even better so that we can evolve the right answers. But you developed in me that confidence to say, it's, it, the wisdom lies in them. You're here to facilitate that. And that's an approach that I use today. Hold on. You developed <laughs> that in you. I did not develop that in you. That was that was all you. Let's just be clear about <laughs> that. I I need to ask you this though. You and I, you mentioned this earlier, we had this amazing road trip in California (laughs) together driving down to the airport or so. I don't even know where we were going, but it was such a great time. And I remember telling you about my coach training program. I want to know why in the heck did you sign up? You were not a coach and you were not planning to become a coach and yet you did anyway. So I want to know what were you thinking? (laughs) <laughs> I think uh, you ha- we had enough time to have a talk about what the things that you do the thing I I didn't know Mindy Kness before I met you in Santa Barbara and I had that time in the car with you to learn about your perspectives and 
it really ignited in me this, this, I wanted more of that insight. I wanted more of that. I, I could tell that you had this approach to life that I didn't have at the time. I really didn't have. And it was a really tough time for me. I was very fresh post-divorce. I was in a bit of a turbulent time and I was, I was seeking out that wisdom. I was seeking out that clarity, like how to make sense of everything that had gone on. And I could tell that you had this approach to life that made your life a lot more effortless. <laughs> and, and not to say that that means your life is always easy. I'm sure you have just as many challenges as, as all of us do, particularly what you have been through in the last 12 months is testament to that. That's, I can't even imagine what that must have been like, but your ability to navigate those, those times and those, those challenges uh, was really evident to me. And I, I just had this knowing that I would get something profound from the process. Um, and I did, and I, I didn't go on to use it as a coach per se, but I have used it to be a marketing coach in my business. And that is it, the skills that I learned in core have definitely come into play because it's not, it's not just about marketing and marketing in a million books. You can Google what you like. There's a whole bunch of YouTube videos. You, you don't need me for that. There's everything you need is out there. But that coaching component has actually helped me to allow people to see insights, allow people to, you know, see past their blind spot and actually know that they, they almost always have the answers within them. And then they really own that strategy because it's not something they've just read in a book. It's not just something they've read online it's theirs, it's come, from, it's come from their years of experience and wisdom and they've actually now got clarity that this, this feels right. So I'm really grateful for, for what I learned and um, how it applies to real life for me now. I've been delighted to watch over the last five, however long it's been since we met, just you really grow into that and you blossom into who you are it's such a joy for me to watch. And I have a book recommendation for you because if you've not read this yet, I actually have it right here on my desk. You mentioned the book by David Hawkins, Power Versus Force. Yeah. Have you read this one, Letting Go? Oh my gosh, that's my thing. <laughs> I know, you've mentioned it a couple times already today. And I'm like, this book is literally sitting right next to me on my desk. It is a must read. If you thought Power Versus Force was good, this will... Wow. So great. Amazing. Yeah. I mean, I have a, I have a saying now it's, it's, I, I need a new saying because this one's quite, sounds a bit aggressive, but it's called burn it to the ground. Like when it gets too hard and it feels too hard, burn it, just burn it to the ground. And we have bushfires here in Australia. And when a bushfire goes through and burns everything, it's, complete destruction at the time but after a bushfire all these wildflowers grow the you know the environment restores itself it grows back stronger and better than ever and that is in my mind as now it's like if, it, if it's too hard it feels horrible it's causing me not to sleep it's getting this really difficult not in a way that oh this is just a challenge to be overcome because that's business we have to overcome challenges all the time but it doesn't have to feel hard this has to feel like a challenge. And when I know that my entire body is viscerally saying this is hard and horrible, I just have this now, just throw it off the cliff. It's fine. Something new will pop up. <laughs> and I guess that, that I hope that book is, uh, is the next level to that is that, yeah, it's, it's all about letting go. It's all about just stopping to letting go. go. I, I actually like the whole 
burn it to the ground mentality. It reminds me of the, the Hindu goddess Kali, who is the, the great destroyer. And mm-hmm. like, it's all in compassion and in love, but it's, it's total destruction. And it, it's mm. so cool. I just, I love the, the play of like the two dynamics, but it's all for the highest good. So let me bring us back to the herb, wrap us mm-hmm. up with the B, which stands for beliefs. I would love to know from you, what are some of your core beliefs or world views that allow you to have the peace that you have found in the last five years or have the confidence that you have found in the last five years? What are some of the beliefs that you really just hold true? I think for me, I, I actually grew up in the Christian church and there's a, it took me a long time to unpack that. You know, that was my entire upbringing is getting this dogma imprinted in my psyche. Now, that had good and, good and bad to it, right? There's some really good things that came out of that as well. I've got, you know, good ethics. I've got, I believe in doing unto others as you have done unto yourself. Those are all things that I learned in the Christian church. But also what came with that was awful amount of guilt and feeling like, you know, they, they really sort of try and instill in you this feeling of feeling a sinner and needing saving. And this is something that is really, so I had to break free of that. And it took me a really long time to unpack it. And it's through these books, some of the books that we've been talking about that have been allowed me to see that there's, that there, there is this universal consciousness that is there and this wisdom and this, what I believe comes a lot, it's from within and trusting that power within is something that has been a transition for me because it was always external to me. It was always God out there and believing that God is actually right here in, in my heart is, is a different, very different take on it. For me, those beliefs have transitioned now. I, I feel like the core of that Christian upbringing is still there, like that do unto others and that, that, that kind part of it is, is still there. But my beliefs to the, today, I'm, I have many, I have one, where I would, it, it was a bit of a life changer at the time where I thought something was going really badly and I was really unhappy with the, this client. And, and someone said to me, Melinda, always assume positive intent. And I was like, hmm, because I was stuck in an incredible negative spiral at the time. And now I use this very much in all interactions. It's like always assume positive intent. And look, on an odd occasion, it might not be a positive intent. I'll have to deal with that. But for the most part, so it, it's always served me that I go in there, I see that people, even if that person is in a bit of a storm and they're angry or anything like that, if you can assume that they're coming from a good place, it changes the whole dynamic of the conversation. I guess I got beliefs around working hard. I've seen that from my family. I've seen that from my, my family's always worked really hard. That's something that I still believe in to a certain degree but I've had to unpack that as well what does actual working hard mean does it mean Melinda sitting at her desk for 80 hours a week no nope (laughs) no so um I've had to that's another belief that I've had to transform over the years that that work smarter not harder thing is very very true it's there's there's better ways to do it and I guess back to your resources part of your herb acronym 
having people around me as well, not, not just resources in terms of what I've learned from books, but having people around me that are helpful, um, having people that do the work better than me, letting go of ego that I need to do that work myself and instead allow them to add their genius to it. They do it better than me half the time. And it's, um, that, that's a belief now that it's just really find someone better than me to do the work. I'm great at helping direct that work. I'm great at brainstorming the strategy. There's people out there that are much better than me at actually getting the job done. So that's something that I've had to transition over the years and has served me very well (laughs) today. I love hearing about different people's different beliefs and especially when they're somewhat similar to mine. Like I also grew up in the Christian church and then spent years unpacking that figuring that out like you know what do I really believe and then you know went on from that but I love hearing about other people's experiences and what I really like what you said is just that you've you've maintained some of the the good parts you know some of the 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 best of it if you will so that was Mm -hmm. awesome and the one thing that I am so 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 proud to hear you say is it's not out there it's in here because I remember distinctly, and here's why I remember this, because I said the same thing to you that I said to my husband, because you two both were doing the same thing. I said, you know, when you guys talk about the universe, you're talking about it as if it's something external to you, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. as opposed to something that is internal to Mm -hmm. you. And just that you're describing that now, I'm like, yes, woman. So, so awesome. So Melinda, this has been amazing. I love, you know, I love hanging out with you and would, you know, go on (laughs) for hours more, but I would love to ask you if our listener is interested in learning more about you or seeing what you're up to, where would you like them to go? Well, our website is huddleupcreative.com. That's about all I have, I think. (laughs) That, that is enough. That is plenty enough. And for those listeners in the United States, I will just add in another little piece of the puzzle is that Huddle has done awesome work for me and for some of my clients as well. So even if you're in the US and you're like, oh, but they're in Australia, it can still work. Just going to throw that in there. So Melinda, thank you. Uh, I I totally, absolutely (laughs) adore you and appreciate your time and wisdom today. Ah, so welcome. Thank you so much for having me on your show, Mindy. And I just love it. We had um, Rob Malicki on the other day and he's someone that we both know well. And yeah, just hearing stories of how people get through their challenges is so helpful. I love to listen to your podcast. It's something that I listen to when I walk the dogs in the mornings and it's really just great for insights outside of, you know what it's like when you're in Working as an entrepreneur, you can sometimes be in your own head and it's great to listen to resources that can help you see new light, new new ways of thinking. So thank you. Thanks so much for listening. Make sure to subscribe to The Lucrative Society on iTunes and please leave a review of the podcast. Visit lucra.com for transcripts and resources or to become a member of The Lucrative Society where I coach purpose-based entrepreneurs on business, mindset, and heartset. Lucra, where wealth equals well-being.